Good morning, church. Well, I'm, I'm humbled and honored to be here at the mission this day on Back to School Jam Sunday. I don't know about you, but I'm excited uh, for the kind of fresh opportunities we have, even as your youth minister said, it's, it's somewhat of a demarcation as we start something else, even though the calendar keeps continually to roll, but I'm grateful. Now, I really appreciate the opportunity uh, and being part of this historic church, uh, the mission, or as we came to know it, as Mission Ebenezer Family Church. What an amazing group you are and a, and a testimony to God's faithfulness and God's love and a steadfast love. God remains faithful. I love your mission. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, family-oriented, Pentecostal church that seeks to be a lighthouse in Los Angeles. Isn't that awesome? And as a beauty, we exist to restore, equip, and send people to impact the world for Christ. I love your history, your legacy, your consistency, your innovations, and your innovative way of leading ministry in the church. You know, built upon that 1959, what a, I mean, in the, in the era where we are in church plants and church deaths, uh, that's something to celebrate. 1959 by Reverend Miguel and Lupe Canales as a Spanish-speaking church. Amen. Can you give it up for the legacy of this church? I've come to grow. I've come to grow up in kind of like I feel like I'm part of your church. Uh, just uh, my love and appreciation for the work of your pastor, uh, Dr. Isaac Canales. You know, I grew up. <clears throat> He helped me so, he was so influential in the life of my father who didn't have an opportunity to go to school. But at some point, he, he ran into Dr. Isaac Canales at Fuller Seminary and was encouraged to finish a diploma, go to school, finish an MA at Fuller Seminary, um, and continue to grow in his love for the Lord um, as well, too. I'm very grateful for Dr. Isaac and Sister Rita, who've been great friends and mentors to us as, as parents as well, too. I grew up wanting to be like Dr. Isaac. I wanted to be a professor, and I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to serve in the church, and I wanted to serve the, the academy. Now I want to be like Pastor Josh. Pastor Josh is so cool, isn't he? Isn't he the, he's, he's the man, Pastor Josh. Pastor Josh and Boomy, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of your, um, your call to follow the will of God in your life. Uh, what a beautiful call. Even though right now I wish we'd be getting ready to go watch the Dodgers play and Josh Canales would be playing second base, um, I'm grateful that he was obedient to the call of God on his life. And you are all part of that, amen? Uh, you know, I've, I've been having an opportunity to live life a little bit with Pastor Josh uh, from his uh, collegiate days. You, you all know he was a Division One player right at Florida, then went to UCLA, and then was with the Dodge Oregon. He even had a baseball card. His dad, his pop used to walk around and show us his baseball card. Do you still have those baseball cards? I, I forgot to get one. So he used to show us his baseball card. <laughs> but one day God called him. Well, God had always called him, but God called him to, uh, to serve the kingdom of God. And his beautiful wife, Boomy, your pastor, what a beautiful soul in the kingdom of God. And, and uh, they have helped us 
kind of pastor and mentor our own children, our own adult children. And then I'm grateful for uh, Pastor Koba and Sister Drea uh, for their investment in the lives of our adult children as well, too. In fact, uh, Pastor Koba officiated the wedding ceremony of my daughter at, at our at our house because, you know, we're in this pandemic thing. And he came all the way to our house, and we still did the wedding anyways. And what a momentous occasion, and to have the, 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 the mission family there as part of us. I'm so grateful for that as well, too. Uh, would you stand with me? Yeah, amen. Let's give them a, a, a round of applause. I'm so grateful. I want to share... I want to share uh, a scripture with you. You know, I grew up where every time we read the word of God, uh, you know, I grew up old time Pentecostal. We stood up and my mom still makes me stand up whenever I read the Bible. But I don't know what that means. But I guess it shows reverence. But uh, I, I still do that. So I want to take you to the gospel according to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Gospel according to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he had answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, there is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As Pastor Koba shared, I'm grateful to have my wife uh, with me. Uh, we've learned a lot in this pandemic season. And my wife currently serves not only as my wife and as a mother and now as a grandmother. But, you know, in churches, sometimes uh, we, we become the children's ministry, the nursery director in, in times like this, the youth pastor, the counselor, all of that. And I'm grateful for my wife and joining with me today. And I want to thank the Lord for my church, which allowed us uh, and, and, and definitely encourages us in this season of August to, uh, to step away from the pulpit, um, to be blessed and to be a blessing to others as well, too. Well, this Sunday we refer to as Back to School Sunday. You know, back to school can bring out various emotions in us as human beings. In fact, this is our 25th anniversary of recognizing Back to School Church. Back to School, I'm sorry, Back to School Church, Back to School Sunday at church and in our family history. It brings about various emotions for all of us. Being parents of four children, we have experienced back to school in kindergarten and now back to school in university. Uh, this picture kind of uh, reminds me of our experiences of letting go and holding on. I don't know if we're able to put that picture up, but uh, you know, sometimes the emotion of us is that the child doesn't want to go, right? Doesn't want to go to school and we want to get them to school. And now as I call in a couple more, next week, actually, my wife and I will be driving up to Oregon for the final year of 
college at a university in Oregon for our, our youngest son, and we're going to kind of be like that way. He's not wanting to let him go, but we leave him, we turn around, and we trust God that God will work it out. In the United States, historically, the purpose of education has evolved according to the needs of society, so it continues to, to change. But really, the primary goal has ranged from instructing youth in religious doctrine to learn about life to prepare them to live in this kind of democratic society that we're in and to learn how, how to grow and be a participant in the community in which we reside and preparing workers uh, to serve now in this, this new century. Uh, AS, ASCD uh, reports that the purpose of education is to support children in developing the skills, the knowledge, and the dispositions that would allow them to be responsible, contributing members into the community. Dr. Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once stated that education has a two-fold function to perform in the life of man and in society. The one is utility and the other is culture. Education must enable us, he says, to become more efficient, to achieve with increasing facility the legitimate goals of life. We must remember, he writes, that intelligence is not enough. Intelligence plus character, that is the goal of true education. You know, we often think about learning or being educated in, in two ways. One way is we learn through education. Someone tells us, and then we follow through. The other way is experience. It's thought that Julius Caesar said that experience is the teacher of all things. It's best to learn from other people's mistakes, one person wrote, but most require firsthand experience to really learn. A saying often attributed to C.S. Lewis in the movie Shadowlands is experience is a brutal teacher, but you learn. My God, you learn. What we learn from experience depends on the kind of philosophy we bring to the experience. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes, some of us learn through education, don't touch that, your mama said. It's hot. And we learned that. But most of us learn through experience. Mama saying, I told you it was hot because we wanted to be an experiential learner and not learn from education. It'll teach you. But there's often, often some severe consequences in learning through experiential learning. Well, I love, I love learning. And in many ways, we are all lifelong learners. And we are all, in a sense, kind of going back to school uh, uh, this, this season. And the Gospel of Mark kind of reminds us of this whole learning process. We really, we really go to learn in order that we can love. We learn in order that we can love God according to the Gospel of Mark. I don't know about you, but I love the Gospel of Mark. Mark, the Gospel is known as the Gospel of Action. It's the shortest of Gospels. But also, Mark is thought to be written by the, by the young man, John Mark. I don't know if you all remember John Mark, but he, he went back to school in the, in the MHOP, the MHOP, the Mama House of Prayer. He would hang out there as his mama was doing prayer meeting and oftentimes was running out into the garden, it said. But Mark also was referred to by Peter as, as a son. And some suggest Mark was Peter's interpreter and assistant and that the gospel really reflects Peter's view of the events. Mark is also the cousin of Barnabas, according to Colossians chapter 4. The young boy, you remember him, he was the missionary intern who went with Paul and Barnabas to Antioch, according to Acts 12. He leaves, however, before it's over. 
young John Mark, he gives up. He quits. He doesn't quite score well on the aptitude test. He fails in many people's eyes. However, according to Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, and Philemon verse 24, Mark is at the side of Paul in Rome years later. He learned. He was a learner. He went back to school several times in order to learn and to learn how to love God. Shortly before Paul's death, Paul asked Timothy, go get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. How many want to be helpful in this life? God has called us to be helpful. We learn in order so that we can love. He becomes one of Paul's most intimate helpers and companions in the ministry. Mark's failures did not define his life. Never let your failures define your life. In fact, it's not a failure if you get up and you move forward. John Maxwell once wrote a book called Failing Forward. It's only a failure if you don't learn from from that mistake because you grow up and you move forward. Mark overcame that and was recognized by Paul as helpful in the ministry and writes this amazing gospel of action. He presents Jesus Christ as the Son of God. He learned that life is about loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. If we read this passage, we go back to the context of this passage, it really begins with the Pharisees or scribes asking this question. They were going back to school. The leaders, the ones who know the most, had a plan to trap Jesus and eventually get rid of him. In the middle of a debate, this one scribe blurts out and says, Teacher, which commandment is the most important of all? Well, I believe the scripture is telling us today that the learning process begins with us by going to a teacher. We all need to have a teacher in life, someone to go to. If you want to learn, you need to go to school. If you want to know, you need to go to a teacher. The gospel of Matthew describes this as one of the Pharisees or a lawyer. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus is teaching in parables. If you look at this chapter, chapter 12 of Mark, verse 1, it says the Pharisees came and they went to send him to some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful? to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? If you go with me to this context in verse 18, it says, then some Sadducees came who say that there is no resurrection. And they ask him a question saying, teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring of his brother. Then we see here in verse 28, a scribe comes and heard him disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him which commandment is the most important of all. If we want to know truth, then we need to go to the teacher. This back-to-school jam Sunday, I want to encourage you to go to your teacher and learn. But we also see that learning continues through questioning. How we know it's okay to ask questions 
Because if you ask questions, you get what? You get answers. If you don't ask questions, you're often guessing. Oftentimes, as, as, as first-generation college students, first-generation master's students, first-generation PhD students, we don't, we don't learn how to ask questions that we find out the hard way, the answers. However, the Bible teaches us it's okay to ask questions. One question was, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They got the answer. Or the other question in verse 23, which command in the resurrection when they rise again, whose wife will she be? And they got the answer. Which commandment is the most important of all? And they get the answer. Asking questions is a desire to know truth. And when we know the truth, it's the truth that will set us free. Go to a teacher. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to, to ask questions. Uh, and then I want to encourage you to learning is a commitment to truth. Jesus answered verse 29. The most important is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. One other version says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Jesus cites Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, the Shema, the Hebrew word for hear or pay attention. Now, I know about you, but I grew up in my house. I don't know if it was a cultural thing, but my mom would always say, listen to me. And I would say, I am listening to me. No, you don't hear me. In other words, you're not paying attention. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. The Shema at that time was a central prayer and perhaps still is in the Jewish prayer book. And often it's the first section of scripture that a Jewish child will learn. It's often cited twice a day, morning and then evening. It is literally, according to Barnes, the commentator is Yahweh, our God, is one Yahweh. Confidence, assurance. We must learn the truth. Our God is the one true God. Our God is the God of creation. Our God knows your past, your present, and our God knows your future. Our God will work out all things according to his riches and glory. Our God knows you personally and intimately. Listen, pay attention. Our God knows you. Love with all your heart. We must learn to pursue truth and have a commitment to truth. That is education. When you study literature, it should point you to the truth of our God is the one true God. When you study math, it should point you to our God is the one true God. And definitely when you engage and study science, it should point to you that our God is the one true God. All other philosophies fall short. The primary thing that the Lord asks of all believers is that we, as, as safe folk, are committed to love. 
express in awe. Learning to love God is going to the teacher, is asking questions. It's committed to truth. It says here, love with all your heart. And that Greek word is cardia. Heart comes from that word cardiac. It's the chief organ of physical life. It is thought to occupy the most important place in the human system. Love God with the most important thing in your system. In the biblical language, heart is often figuratively used as a moral activity, both emotional, rational, and at times a whole sphere of divine influence. Love God with, your, with all your heart. In the Old Testament, the heart was the kind of moral compass, the moral significance. The heart was the center of a person's willing, choosing, doing. We might even say it was your kind of conscience, the source and object of our greatest desires, passions, the core of our affections, our heart. You must love. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's good education, right? We learn in order that we can love, but we also are called to love with all of our soul. The suke, or as we as we as we've learned about, there was often used as the soul or life. It is the very breath of life. When God breathed into human flesh, human life, humans became a living soul. We are, that's the real you, the real self, the eternal self of dust from the ground. We were breathed into the breath of God, the soul, and we became a living soul. I think it's important to always understand in this kind of context uh, that we see that we, we are also to love the Lord with, with our affections and our emotions, but we are to love the Lord with our soul. We used to sing our old song in the church says, he saved my soul. It's your soul that will be separated from the body at some point, and it's your soul that will be eternally in the presence of God. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. Sometimes referred to as the seat of, of, of your will and purpose. Soul has to do with your deepest longings, emotions, and convictions, one writer says. It's the core of who you are, the real you. Can we learn to love the Lord our God, not only with all of our heart, but all of our soul, all of our passions and feelings, but also love the Lord your God with all of your mind. The Anoia which was thought of as thinking through or thinking over. One dictionary states it as a reflective consciousness, comparing or comprising the faculties of perception and understanding. The faculties, that's, that's what we call in higher education, we call teachers, the professors, we call them the faculty. We are, we, they are helping to shape your understanding, your reasoning. It means serving God with your intellect, that's why we go to school is to develop our intellect so we can learn to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, with our thoughts, with our, our ideas, with our decisions based on truth. Put intelligence into your love, one person wrote. So how do we love our God with our mind? We pursue truth, we pursue relationship, we pursue understanding, and we learn to love with reason. 
You know, at my age, I've come to learn to love the Lord my God with my mind, and it makes sense. When you consider all the various philosophies of life, when we see, when as, as a pastor having the opportunity to be in, in hospitals to, to, to dedicate newborns, and also at the opportunity to be at cemetery to bury those who have gone on to be with the Lord, it makes sense that our soul is separated from our physical body and we are called to love the Lord our God with our whole soul, our whole heart, and our whole mind. That's why we go back to school, to love the Lord with all of our strength, all of your might, our energies, persevering, being resilient, giving maximum effort, getting stronger every day. We learn to love the Lord our God with all of our strength. Now, I know we have some athletes in the house here at the mission, right? If, if, if you are an athlete, you need to be an athlete with all of your strength. If you're in the band, play and march with all of your strength. If you're in AP or in honors courses, give it all you have. Learning is loving God with all your strength. Well, going back to school is not necessarily a right, but it's a privilege. Not everyone has the opportunity to go to school. Not everyone has the opportunity to go to a teacher. Not everyone has an opportunity to ask questions and, and, and the Christian worldview and to get answers. Not everyone has the opportunity to learn in an academic environment. However, today, we do. We have an opportunity to learn, to go back to school of life and learn so that we can love the Lord our God with our heart, with, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. This past year and a half, I feel like I've been back to school and, 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 and care or overseeing the caregiving of my mother who's 85 years of age and, has, and is battling or living with dementia how that, that, that evil attacks the mind and saps her of her, of her, her mental capacities or her long or short-term memory. Phenomenal long-term memory my mama has, but the short-term memory is, is, is constantly being taken away through this thing called dementia. And trying to learn all about that, I can see that even with that dementia, as I read scripture to my mom, as we sing coritos, as we sing hymnos, right? My mom's soul continues to love the Lord her God. There's a lot of learning for us to do and to learn as well, too. Um, you know, my dad only had the opportunity to go to second grade in his schooling. And yet... At some point, he was given the opportunity and through the encouragement and inspiration of people like, like, like Dr. Isaac Canales, my dad not only completed a high school diploma before his sons did, but he also completed the Masters of Arts in, in Divinity before his sons did as well, too. It's opportunity, and we have the opportunity to learn. Make love your highest aim. Jesus says, I want you, first of all, to learn to love me, love God. Then I want you to learn to love everybody else. That's the philosophy of life. Everything else is excess. Everything else is secondary. Let's go back to school 
with the mind of Christ. I'm mindful of an Andre Crouch song, an old song that says, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to depend upon his word. Recently, I've been listening to a Maverick City, Maverick City song. It says, God will work it out. One thing I know and one thing I found, God will work it out. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.